Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another edition of Deportes Nation. Today, we're presenting the Soccer Podcast. I'm Alex Parra. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be part of your day, of your night, of your evening, depending on how and where you might be watching or listening, because this is not only audio, it's also video. Before we get started, there you see him on screen. I welcome my partner in crime, Mr. Victor Araiza. Victor, first of all, good day, good morning, good evening. How are you, sir? Yeah, good. Uh, like you said, good whatever, depending on wherever uh, people may be listening to uh, to us from. Uh, like you said, many different outlets now with the World Wide Web. Uh, but always a pleasure to be with you here, Alex, talking uh, you know, sports we we hold so near and dear to our hearts. And certainly there's there's a lot of games uh, this time of year. Absolutely. A lot of uh, going on and a lot of going on in the show. We'll try to get through it quickly. We'll talk about the MLS. We'll talk about Messi, about Don Garber. We'll talk about the Houston Dynamo starting their season at home in Shell uh, Energy Stadium against Sporting Kansas City. We'll also talk about the CONCACAF Champions Cup. We'll talk about the home opener. We're going to talk about referees, the NWSL and the Houston Dash, the CONCACAF uh, women's Gold Cup as well, and a little bit about a friend of ours, Mr. Glenn Davis. We'll talk about him, the service he's put to our soccer community, also as a broadcaster, one of the role models, I would say. He's a little older than me, so I can call him a veteran. Uh, <laughs> some would call me a veteran as well. So that's part of the rundown for tonight's, today's, this morning's version of the soccer podcast. Uh, Victor, in general, though, we also want people to chime in, to, to give us their opinion, to give us their perspective. I'm not going to get any younger or any smarter. I can promise you that. That I can't change. But we're always learning, aren't we? We are, and, and more than anything, we're always growing now. Uh, we got plenty of content there on, on the YouTube channel and on the website. Uh, inside look at some of these trainings, at some of these games. Uh, again, we're always open to, to any suggestions, comments, what do people like. Uh, obviously, we're trying to monitor what, what they can react to and, and certainly bring them uh, as much coverage of, uh, of a local sport here in, in, in Houston and, and anywhere we get to obviously uh, get into um, because that's, you know, we're, we're, we're servicemen of the people. We are. And look, we are based in Houston. We are based in Texas. And I'm glad you didn't mention uh, our field producer, Andy. Because then we'd have to pay him extra. So I think I just... That'd be cut out of my... <laughs> there, now, now it's got to come out of mine because I mentioned it. But Andy and the whole PTS Media Group doing a great job. So we're very honored and proud. And yes, part of what we want this year is for you to like and whatever I have to point at and follow and subscribe to all of our social media and our YouTube channels and our website, deportesnation.com deportesnation.com, however you prefer. So it's always an honor to be with all of you. Uh, we appreciate it. And, Victor, a lot of activity going on in Houston. Let's focus on that quickly before we get into Messi and the league where it's going. But a lot of activity literally at Shell um, Energy Stadium. It seems like every day there's something going on. Well, there is, actually. Uh, I was, I was kind of counting uh, by Wednesday. I would have been at that stadium every day <laughs> for wow. coverage for, for Deportes Nation. Um, between Dynamo games, trainings down at the stadium, women's gold cup, uh, yeah, uh, they're keeping us busy down here. So, and the field, by the way, has been impeccable throughout all these games. Um, probably the same grounds field is going to manage the gold cup, the, gold cup, the world cup uh, pitch over at, at NRG Stadium. So, um, you know, again, uh, different types of atmospheres, right? Certainly, the women's game is something that's growing uh, with the Concacaf Women's Gold Cup. Uh, 
the Dynamo in the start of their MLS season. We got to see, uh, you know, maybe what the team's going to look like now with, with some of the injuries that they have. And certainly the Champions Cup uh, quick test here with St. Louis. And, you know, Victor, it, it's funny. You mentioned CONCACAF, and there's still people that don't know what CONCACAF means. And, of course, it's the, the regional... Uh, the regional federation, if you will, uh, sim similar to CONMEBOL, similar to UEFA, uh, it's it's the regional uh, organization under FIFA, right? Um, right, the governing body. The governing body, if you will, again under another governing body, which is FIFA. So um, you, uh, uh, some of us know the stories of uh, Jack Warner, right, and others. Uh, yeah. Who was who the who's the, the 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 former U.S. rep, the the uh, Chuck Blazer. Chuck Blazer, you talk about corruption. Wow. May he rest in peace, I guess, because he's not longer with us. But <laughs> there's all kinds of stories about sure. <laughs> the power of CONCACAF. But uh, also people say, you know what, some of these competitions are made up. Some are new. Some are made up. Some are adapting. Uh, but at the end of the day, Victor, this is big business. It is. Um, obviously, Mexico and the U.S., the, the big powerhouses in, in Canada has, uh, you know, risen a little bit here in, in the last couple of years. And, and obviously with the women's game, they've been there, but with the men's game catching up. Um, you know, and I will say, you know, the it is the, con the Confederation of uh, North America, Central America and the Caribbean. Um, a lot of people have, have complained, for example, like the Nations League. You know, why are they adopting this here? You know, that's a, maybe an idea that the UEFA took. Um, but, you know, when it comes to put, providing games for some of these, uh, you know, nations in the Caribbean that probably would be, you know, standing still throughout the, the whole year. I mean, that's the kind of thing that they are supposed to, uh, do right for the region and sort of step in and, and provide that competitiveness. And now with the women's game as well, um, again, some of these nations would probably stay dormant. I'll give you a quick example. El Salvador, yeah. uh, you know, having a tough time here in Houston, the first two games, but. Um, earned their way here, and, and because of it, they get to face a team like Canada and, and have a test that they wouldn't have otherwise. And, and look, I, I'm still very skeptical, Victor, because because we know that CONCACAF, the way they run things, the corruption beneath that has been documented uh, is real. Uh, there, there, are, there are national teams, men and women, who for years have been abused, literally, in, 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 in being exploited and the money is going to a few people. So, so it, it, it is a corrupt business. It's big business. You're seeing the positive side. I'm a little bit more uh, jaded when it comes to what CONCACAF should or shouldn't be doing. No, I mean, absolutely, there's been, there's been bad moments. I'm not going not gonna to shy away from that. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we're, we're maybe past some of those and, and seeing maybe, you know, the dawn of a new era here a little bit. Like I said, I... I, I you know, I'm I'm still surprised. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm still surprised that it took us till uh, 2024 to have a women's gold cup, to yeah. have a premier championship for for the women's game. Uh, when the first women's world cup was in 1991, um, you know those kinds of things. That, you know, maybe there's still a chance at the at the club level, especially for women, to have some of those competitions. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, maybe the Gold Cup, you know, every four years, like the way a, a regional championship should be. I mean, there's, yeah, there's certainly a lot of things to change. Um, but at the end, I, I go about it like MLS, right? I mean, it's our region. It's, it's the one that belongs to us. And uh, who but us to ask, uh, ask them to be better and provide, um, you know, journalism behind it to, 
to, or the coverage behind it, hopefully, to provide that insight. Look, look, I, I think it's come a long way, certainly on the women's side. Can it get better? Absolutely. And I think it's incumbent on us, on the journalism side, on the just pure soccer side, uh, to, to, to expect more from this, this entity that is known as CONCACAF. So we'll talk a little bit more about the, the, uh, the two competitions that are now going on, one of, two of several, rather, organized by CONCACAF on the men's side, the uh, Champions Cup, on the women's side, the Women's Gold Cup. So a lot of activity going on. But, Victor, why don't we kick off, literally, a little bit here with what's going on in the MLS. And in particular, you know, pretty much every time we're talking about uh, the MLS these days, we're talking about the one and only Messi. That's the story of the moment. And look, he's only going to be here for a limited time, right? Uh, obviously, this season, we expect him to play the full year. He's one of the favorite. Well, Miami, because of him and because of, obviously, Luis Suarez and, and some of the other stars that they have, but namely because of Messi, are the odds-on favorite to win the league, um, you know, make it to the playoffs and, and win the championship. Uh, over, we, we mentioned this, I think, here last week, over the current champions, Columbus Crew. Sure over LAFC, who, who, you know, were the runners-up. Um, and I think, you know, when we're starting to see, obviously, we saw a little bit in the League's Cup, but what Messi can do in this league, why shouldn't they be considered the favorites? And I like it because it raises the creativity level, right? I mean, you see some of these plays that, that just, um, you know, he, he's done throughout his career, but now here in MLS, uh, there was the... The play over the Salt Lake defender that almost, you know, became a viral goal. There was, you know, the goal here against the LA Galaxy. Um, obviously, the jerseys we're starting to see all around MLS. You know, I think, like anything, there's pros and cons. We can focus on, you know, is it hard to get a ticket into one of these games? Is it too? Are fans being overpriced? But, you know, at the end, hopefully, it's bringing more eyeballs and more than anything, more discussion to this league, which is what it's needed for a long, long time. Well, there's a couple of things, Victor. Number number one, where's the balance, right? It's messy, 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 messy. And and for the casual fan, the casual sports fan, or the sports fan that casually casually would uh, would follow soccer, uh, they may only go to the, the the match where Messi and Miami are present in their in their market. That may be as right. close as someone can get uh, will get to the MLS. By the same token. You have to remember there's other teams, there's other franchises, there's other stories to be told. And actually, just recently, the, the commissioner of MLS, Don Garber, had some words about the coverage r relative to Messi, right? That's right. I uh, did an interview with the Sports Business Journal, and, and one of the quotes came out of there. And I'll read it to you because I think it's, you know, maybe he's getting some flack from some of these owners. Uh, hey, where's the love for the rest of the league, right? Uh, you know, because, for example... Uh, as a follow-up to this, uh, you know, before this Galaxy game, there was a media scrum. He was sort of asked the same question, you know, the impact of Messi and how they can continue that after he's gone. Right. And and he replies with saying, well, I just came from Charlotte. They had 65,000 fans, and there was no Messi there, right? Try to make it seem it's not all Messi. I do want to read this this quote. Um, and, again, Sports Business Journal, th this question was, how is the league looking to capitalize on Messi's star power in his first full season in MLS? I'm, I'm skipping to the... Uh, uh, fourth paragraph here of this answer, so I'm not going to read the entire thing, but basically here's what riled people up, right? Uh, Garber said, I think it's easy and somewhat lazy for reporters to just write about Messi. It's like writing about Taylor Swift. There's so much more here that I think people need to recognize. Lionel Messi helped take our league to new heights, but these 
this league before Messi was signed last year had a trajectory of record attendance and innovation with Apple and our League's Cup partnership. Uh, mentions the you know the Rose Bowl game in in LA this summer, Galaxy LAFC, which they had last year was a sellout, and they're gonna uh, where they're expecting it to have that again. Um, so I'll skip uh, a little bit further. We all need to remember that Messi helped take this league to new heights and gave us momentum on a trajectory that was established in the years leading up to building a league that Messi would want to be a part of. Um, so that's sort of the you know, big part of the quote. But again, why call it lazy, right? Uh, because it's um, well, you well, know. well. First of all, why bring Taylor Swift into this? Uh, you know, the Swifties are going to be up in arms <laughs> about this. That that's, that's. Are you a Swifty? <laughs> you know, I'm not, but my daughter's a Swifty. So just so you know, I, I I'm in a family where the Swiftness is everywhere. <laughs> and by the way, talk about big business, Concacaf. Wow, that's big business. Uh, those tickets and selling out huge stadiums. Wow. Maybe maybe Garbus intentionally mentioning the name so that uh, the next boyfriend can be an MLS player. Did there I just, you go. Did I just say that? There you go. Um, no, and they've had celebrities. They've had the celebrity crossover with all the Miami games. Sure. Now this game in L.A. Um, you know, I do think for the commissioner to sort of, and, and maybe he's talking about the general sports media that never covers MLS, that, you know, is just covering it. For Messi and and sure there are other stories and I'm sure uh, or hopefully in local some local markets they'll take it further from that right and say hey well there's a local MLS team here let's talk about them um, but there have been journalists that have been covering this league for a long long time with very little pay I would say some sure. uh, none at all uh, you know just driven out of passion uh, and they have told stories uh, from this league uh, year in and year out to sort yeah. of just say that. All the narrative is on is on Messi, well, um, well, and I, it's and it's it's sort of ironic and it's and it's hypocritical for the league to the say word. when they got a full <laughs> section up on the website, a newsletter dedicated to Messi. Uh, they're the ones leading the charge in this uh, Messi coverage twenty four seven. If I'm understanding the quote correctly, attributed to Don Garber, yes, it's hypocrisy. On the one hand, you're saying it's lazy. All you're doing as a league is feeding Messi this, Messi that, Messi here, Messi there. More and more messy. It's 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 not like the league is trying to push anything else. Another narrative. Uh, what's going on with uh, with Apple TV in year number two? It's still about the messy behind the scenes documentary exclusive to to Apple. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not being critical of that, but I'm certainly thinking if Don Garber is saying it's too easy and lazy to do this. Well, yeah, because your league is pushing that. So. There is some hypocrisy there, uh, and 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 and, yeah. and by the same token, uh, he he's got to strike a balance because there are other teams in this league other than Miami. Even though it seems, and you mentioned this on the competitive side, Victor, they've already pre-determined who they want to win the championship this year. And if, and if Messi and company don't do that, that's not going to help the league. The league wants them to win. That's that's just a fact, and 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 it helps everybody in the league. For us to see this right now, four points after two matches and, uh, and a wonderful goal, which we showed you a little bit earlier, to uh, uh, rescue the point out in, uh, in, uh, in Los Angeles against the Galaxy. And certainly, you know, Apple TV also a sponsor of Messi. So I think that documentary uh, would have happened regardless of, of if he had come to MLS or not. But, um, yeah, where's the benefits of the partnership a little more, right? I mean, they could do more documentaries on MLS players. Um, you know, tell you know, the casual viewer about some of the stars in your league. Uh, 
you know, that's probably some of the things that the NFL has done so well, right? The star building power of of the league and, and getting people closer to some of these players and, and helping people care about some of these teams. Um, I will say this. I think the lazy thing for Don Garber is to just, you know, and, and obviously there's some strategy to this, but to only do interviews with outlets like the Sports Business Journal, which have no criticism of the league. Um, you know, take, take a couple Q&As with uh, some outlets that will press for a little bit more than just generalized answers, right? I, I challenge Don Garber to do some of that. We'll have him on the show if he wants to come on, Mr. Don Garber. Come and, on. And, and Victor will ask the hard questions. I'll ask the nice questions <laughs> so I can keep my press credential. And I'm, I'm just kidding about that. That's a whole other topic, Victor, we're going to talk about. Let's shift gears. Speaking of press credentials we, and speaking of the MLS, we were blessed to be part of the opening night at Shell Energy Stadium. Victor, you and I were there with our team, with our crew, to watch the beginning the first match and the unveiling, first of all, as we're seeing on screen now, of the 2023 U.S. Open Cup Championship banner, uh, the Houston Dynamo back, back, back on the pitch in MLS competition. Right, and uh, did it in this case with a draw. Uh, I think, you know, in, in our analysis, the deeper analysis is up on on, on the YouTube website. There's the plug. Um, but all things considered, especially with the recent injuries, I think that was a good result. Again, I would have liked to seen one more fans <laughs> at the stadium. Yeah. That's a different conversation. Um, but more creativity, right? A, a, a team that plays more entertaining soccer. I, I know they, you know, people will point to last year. I go back to it uh, again, not to, um, you know, maybe discredit the coaching staff because I'm sure maybe that's probably how it's going to uh, come across. But I think Hector Herrera didn't get enough uh, credit for the playing style of the Houston Dynamo for shying away or, or having the liberty uh, to be creative at certain moments. Um, you know, when you see them, you know, play that style, I think a big part of that was because Hector Herrera was on the field dictating, right, and sort of pulling the strings in midfield. Now that we don't have Herrera here uh, on the field um, for the Houston Dynamo, we sort of start seeing now what what this team would be. Um and, you know, obviously, no, I mean, Bassi either because he was, you know, uh, fixing his, his residency and he'll be back, uh, I think, for this Champions Cup. So maybe that'll help a little bit. Maybe as, as some other players get accustomed, like uh, like Kowalczyk, like uh, uh, Gabriel Siegel, who came on and, and scored the goal. Um, but I think that's part of the, what we want the Houston Dynamo to do is provide a more entertaining product on the field. Absolutely. And, and Victor, you and I, uh, we were we were next to each other um, talking. And at times the, the game was very predictable. The game was very tactical. I'm going to be kind in the words I use. And at some point, very boring. It was literally a third of the field, both teams playing the ball backwards. Very safe. Very, very safe. safe. That, that's a good word. That's a good word. Very safe. And I think but some a lot of fans would say boring. And that's why they don't come sure, to games. Sure. Well, well. You know, this is this is the the conversation that that we've had with Ben Olsen, we meaning the media, that that other clubs have about the style and the aggressiveness and the game model they want to pursue. And the game model conversation is always we're going to be aggressive, we're going to go for it. There was not much of that in this match, and and it can be attributed potentially, Victor, on the Dynamo side to all of the injuries. This not being the team necessarily that Ben Olsen wants on the field. So it was safe. It was a point at home. Um, you know, no harm done, if you will. It's a long season. But this certainly wasn't an aggressive style. 
game model approach right. to the game. It was, look, let's be tactical. Let's keep it simple. Uh, if there's an opening here and there, let's risk a little bit, but let's not give too much away. Fair? But that's And, and that's the key word. There isn't that, that, that risk, right? Um, which is crazy to me because MLS is the most patiently when it comes to coaches. Um, and I know teams are coming out of preseason, and we got to take that into account. But I, I'll throw some shade at Kansas City as well. Um, you know, having players like Alan Pulido, uh, Shallowy, who, you know, more should be expected of him. I, I you know, I think he probably got extended a couple years back, uh, but hasn't produced uh, Johnny Russell. Again, having that, that trident and attack and not providing more, not going for it more. Yeah. Um, because in, in part, that also dictates what Houston does. Houston, you mentioned, is a very patient team. Until they get scored on, sometimes it's, it's you know, that's when they decide to flip the switch. Um, but that's the league as a whole. And we, we talked about Messi and, and what he brings different. A lot of the games around the league are like this. Very safe, very, you know, if, if teams can get a point on the road, they'll, they'll go with that. There's, there's not a lot of risk involved. Um, the teams that do are the ones that, you know, are maybe the more successful ones and, and hence why they end up winning championships because they, they risk more uh, in signings. They risk more in their playing style. And um, again, um, fans, when you're asking fans to buy a ticket to, uh, you know, bring out some of the cold, hard cash, um, you know, they want to be entertained. They want to come to the stadium and not waste their time. Well, it's, it's interesting, Victor, you talk about the entertainment value and, and, and let's go precisely to what you mentioned, Victor, which was, Images of the empty seats um, that we're showing now. Uh, there, there, there were many seats, not, not, not with, uh, with fans there. The official attendance, 18,000. Um, I don't know. I think that's a bit exaggerated. But, you know, a lot of people, a <laughs> a lot of people don't show up. And, and my point is, yes, this is entertainment. And, and you, you've, you've talked about this, Victor, that the entertainment By is By the not, way, this was the yeah. opening game. This used to be a, a sure sellout. In years prior, and, and in this case, it was just like any other game. It was. It was like any other game, and and beautiful weather, by the way. Uh, you couldn't ask for anything more. Couldn't have asked for a better day. A, a better day. And what I asked you, Victor, was exactly that. I asked you this on, on our wrap-up. What is it going to take to have the stadium full after last year winning the U.S. Open Cup, after coming in uh, or ha making it to the Western Conference Finals, after having a superstar like Hector Herrera, and if you can't fill up the stadium after that, what more can this team do? Are we saying that even winning an MLS championship, that you can't fill up the stadium? What What is not working, Victor? And you and I have talked about this for well, many years. I'll correct you. They haven't, they haven't won an MLS championship for years, and I think that's... No, that's no, no correct. What I was saying, though, is if they have, if they do, you still can't fill up the stadium. So my point is... Success on the field does not translate to filling up that stadium. To me, that's clear today. I think if they had a team that could contend for the MLS uh, Cup championship, which I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I don't think they do now. And I think that was clear last year because even people can say, well, they got to they got to the Western Conference final. Well, they hit a wall because they didn't have a team to contend for the MLS Cup. Um, and we can debate, but I think. Um, that's part of it. More stars, we've, we've mentioned this, or at least more of an entertainment value on the field. Um, and, and this isn't just, uh, you know, with the current team. This this has gone on for years, right? You know, where it slowly chips away. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of it was, 
you know, very reminiscent of, of the Dominic Kinnear years, the non-championship years where, you know, the most exciting part for, for fans is standing up for corner kicks. And and we saw that on, you know, on Saturday night. Um, and I think that kind of tells you where the product is. What can the organization, what can the league do in this market, Victor? You and I have been covering this team for many, many years. And I've seen everything, Victor. I've seen promotions. Uh, there's a promotion coming up now so that uh, at the next match, people can take their picture, a selfie with trophies, trophies that are important to Houston. Uh, there's the new jersey uh, that's getting—it's uh, uh, a beautiful jersey. It's got its roots to the hip-hop community. I've seen everything, Victor. I've seen uh, uh, an approach to the Central American market for many years. I've seen an approach, finally, to the Mexican market. Uh, I, I, I was still impressed when, when uh, Hector Herrera was announced that the majority of that press conference was in Spanish versus English. We're going to talk about this in a little while, Victor. This is morphing. This is changing. It's not old people like me anymore. It's your generation and younger. And I get it. There, there's got to be a way to find a way beyond the soccer to entertain people. Is it stronger Wi-Fi? Is it gambling? Is it gambling? Do we need to be able to gamble in the seats? You know that's coming. Well, that ain't going to happen in the state of Texas. So. Well, it's coming. It's coming. No, eventually yeah. Abbott and company will find a way to tax it. <laughs> I'm not sure, Victor. It's going to happen. You know why? Because the leagues and the teams want it. And, and I, that's another conversation for another day. But, but meaning, does this need to be like a video game? Oh, by the way, and someone's on the field well, kicking the ball around. The Go ahead. Right. No, I, you know, I think you mentioned a lot of stuff that, you know, they are leading to, you know, this is stuff they promote. It's going to be Houston Sports Night. I think they, they might have the Astros World Series trophy out there. But, um, you know, everything you mentioned, that that should give you the answer right there. It has nothing to do with the on-field product. It, You know, if you need an Astros World Series trophy to draw fans to the stadium, then you're going to be out of luck when that trophy's not there the week after. I mean, yeah. that's that's what I'm talking about. There's everything is always, you know, the new seats on the on the sidelines, the new seats in the East Club, uh, the new show sports deck, the new this or that. Um, it's never about the product on the field. Very little is it, right? Uh, I think Hector Herrera was probably the biggest upgrade this team got, um, and that's sort of where the investment on the field from Ted Siegel. And, and I know I'm going to get criticized for this, but it's the truth. Um, you know, everything else is, isn't any different from the type of signings that Houston Dynamo of the past would make. Um, to be seen, uh, but I, from what I see, you know, Ted Siegel is proving to be a, a more spending version of Gabriel Brenner. You know, it's taking care of an investment, uh, a little bit smarter and trying to make uh, some money off the stadium and renovating uh, a lot of stuff into, again, areas that could make more money. But again, where is the attention to the product on the field? Um, where is the proactiveness? And and well, it is a lot of filibuster. That that's one thing mm -hmm. that you know. And and it was going to naturally come when Ben Olsen was hired. Uh, and we've heard it here in this preseason where they say the right things. Olsen said the right things about yeah, they're frustrated to be patient with the signings, all this kind of stuff. But at what point um, are fans going to wait around until you finally make a move? And there's a lot of things they can do. I'll mention one real quick one, Please. too. I've mentioned it. Stop being disingenuous, right? Uh, 
there's it's fine to acknowledge the product for what it is sometimes um i see these advertisements for this game coming up the new york red bulls and it has a tag on it says tickets going fast why why do you add that tagline when people can see and when people see that it doesn't get filled up i mean those are the little things that add up that hurt the the organization um and and i say it down here in the south and especially in texas uh more so than any other part of the united states and this is why it's important to have people that know the market locally we can i think we can take lying and we can take apologies but people don't like bs and at that point you 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 don't come back well a couple of things a lot said there uh, and i'm not here to defend mr ted siegel i think him coming in as an owner has changed things and change was necessary oh, absolutely. change was necessary absolutely. And for the better, the team that the team that performed last season, Victor, has been the best team in nearly a decade um, in, 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 in wins, in, in, in playing attractive uh, football. And, and but by the same token, all that said, all that said, Victor, it's also I'm finding myself in a generational transition when it comes to the sport and specifically with the Dynamo. You've seen what's happened in the past before with with uh, the Brenner, Kennedy, um, um, Mr. Walker uh, administration. And before that, even going back to the beginning uh, with, um, ah, I forgot the gentleman's name, the first... Oliver Luck. Oliver Luck, thank you. Completely different mindset. Back then, the Dynamo had English radio guys, and I remember this, and I'm sure he's a nice man, but the high-tech Texan who knew nothing about soccer... <laughs> Talking about soccer, and, and that was, to me, it was hilarious, right? Uh, because it was ignorant people calling the game. Charlie Palillo, who to me is a great broadcaster, he called the games. He never advocated for soccer until they said, okay, we'll pay you. And suddenly he became an expert <laughs> and did it. I think he would recognize that. He never cared about soccer. So you have different minds, different people trying different things. And the problem is no one's yet found the answer, Victor. I'm not here to tell you that I have the answer. I'm not here to tell you that. But the search continues. That's what I'm seeing. And Ted Siegel, to me, is already a great businessman. Because at the end of the day, Victor, what counts, I believe, from a business point of view, and he may love the sport. His daughters may love the sport. And I, I don't have any doubt that he does. But you know what? The valuation of his team, of his investment, is going to continue to grow. Bingo. That is the bottom line, regardless of whether they win or lose. Messi will bring people to the stadium. Messi will sell more jerseys. So I get that, you know what, it's not necessarily the product on the field that's the only priority, Victor. That's a reality when it comes to the business side. Does that make sense? And, you know, you spoke about balance, and I think that's the thing, too. I mean, that's, that's all I'm certainly asking for, and I think fans here for a long time, especially the ones that have spent uh, a lot of their hard-earned dollars on this team, are asking for is just more balance, right? I think everybody acknowledges the business side of things, but it's when you go too far to one side and you forget about, again, uh, the sporting side of it, that's when, that's when people can tell that you don't really care about the product or you're maybe skimping a little, right, and maybe... Um, surfing on thin margins and see where it takes you um, while other teams around the league and fans see this you know the LAFCs the Seattles Salt Lake even <laughs> you know Columbus the smaller markets uh, than Houston and, and granted there's only a few that are bigger right New York and, and LA and, and probably Chicago but um, 
again, to see those those type of markets be more ambitious um, and go for it more than a city that should be one of the powerful cities in the United States um, and, and act like a small market team. I mean, I think that's the frustrating part. And the biggest one, I could keep mentioning it, this is a soccer city. This is a city full of, of people that already love the sport. They love the sport, but also the other part of this, Victor, and again, I don't ever pretend to say, look, if I own this team, I'll never have that much money, by the way. So uh, congratulations to Mr. Siegel and, and the previous owners, too, who I'm sure made a good profit. Um, there's also competition in this market. This is a strange soccer market. I've been blessed to be here, and we'll talk about Mr. Glenn Davis. Uh, him and I played against each other back in the 80s. Let's put it that way. So I've been around it, and there's never been a key to this. It's, oh, it's the Hispanics. No, it's the international community. No, it's the soccer moms. No, it's the hip-hop crowd. No, it, it just hasn't come together. It hasn't coalesced. It's a soccer fan, Alex. It's the soccer fan. It, it, it should be. Plain and simple. It should be that simple, Victor. I'll, I'll mention one more thing. The competition to me means the other sports. The Rockets are entrenched here. The Astros, of course, are entrenched here. The Texans are up and coming. You and Enrique have been covering the Texans. You see the traditional support of those sports, and it's still coming. But all that said, Victor, to me, today, 2024, is still a great time for the sport in our city. I never dreamt that we could have a women's professional team, a men's professional team, the Cathedral to Soccer, what I call it now, Shell Energy Stadium. I, that, that wasn't in the cards when I was growing up in the city. So even though we can be critical and should be because we want the best for this sport, it's still a good moment. Can things improve? Absolutely. I'll be quiet. I, I, I agree. Um, but I think, again, just some things remain so simple, right? The Texans, you know what, Alex? The Texans cater to football fans. The Astros cater to baseball fans. The Rockets who do they market to? Basketball fans. Sure. Why does it have to be any different for the Houston Dynamo? And without and again, apology. I, and without dash, apology. Dash, because, yes. again, we keep, that it just kind of keeps being a, a side note. Um, again, we all want what's best for the sport here. Victor, there are hundreds of thousands of kids that play soccer in this city. I am blessed to live this every day. They need role models. They need heroes. To me, part of what the organization should do, and I know they're not asking for my advice, is seek out that crowd, that crowd, and get into a game or two. Find a way to be more, be more interactive. You've said this, Victor, at the community level. Have players show up at their training, at their games. On weekends, you can go to any major park that has soccer installations, and it's packed full of people. You can make it happen there. Maybe they've tried. Maybe they haven't, Victor. I don't know that. But, but I do know that there, there's still a lot of potential to be had. Victor, we have to keep moving on here. And I wanted yep. to continue now a little bit about what we saw uh, this past Saturday was the referees focusing on the referees right now that are not the regulars, if you will. They're the reserves uh, because of the uh -huh. ongoing dispute uh, with, with, the, uh, with the pro referees. And they didn't call a bad match. We talked about this in our post uh, but, you know, at moments, what, what, they seem not a little compared lost. to the regular referees, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a... I, I, very little difference. But, I mean, I, in all honesty, just um, an offside goal in the Houston game, right? I think that, that sort of stuff is frustrating. I, I still think, you know, even with the regular referees, you, you, we've still seen those kinds of errors. So, I, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm there with you. You know, if, it's, if we're comparing and, and maybe we're nitpicking, I mean... Sure, um, you know maybe we can we can say 
you know, these refs, uh, they're not off to the great start, right? And, and certainly other games this weekend, um, you, you know, there's criticism in the LA Galaxy Miami game, certainly uh, some of the other games around this weekend. Just Again, to me, the biggest thing is how are you going to get taken seriously as a league when you don't have these things in order? Um, that's what it comes down plain and simple, and, and that's something they got to figure out. So, so let me give you my opinion on this entire referee situation. I, and I mentioned this to you, Victor. I have, I have been a referee at the high school level, at the club level, certainly not at the professional level. This is not an easy gig. It's not an easy way to certainly earn a living because most of us are part-timers. Most of us are really giving back to the sport. My personal story is just that, Victor. I had an epiphany one day because I berated an AR. I was awful as a player. I was awful as a coach until I realized, well into my 40s, that, you know what, this isn't the way to treat people, period. And we have allowed the soccer culture to abuse referees. I'm going to use that. We currently have a crisis of the youth side because there's not enough referees and certainly not enough even qualified referees. My point is we need referees, ladies and gentlemen. We need to realize that without referees, who's going to call the match? Ben Olsen's going to call a penalty kick or a foul? The, uh, uh, Peter Vermees uh, is going to say, well, no, at least that's offside. himself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is a necessary part. And, that, and, and mark my words, people have said it's a necessary evil. No, it's not an evil. We need to change our mindset about what referees do and what they bring. In a way, I see them as police. Because right. they're enforcer of the rules of the laws. Do we like them? No. But without them, there would be chaos. So we need to give that context, number one. Second, Victor, if Messi can get a contract like he got, and he's got a deal with amateur referees, you're right. The league is not prepared. The league is not ready to have Messi here. The least they can do is have professional human beings that are focused on this job so they can be better and the league well, can agree. be better. Which means you I have agree. to pay them. It means you have to pay them, period. And to play these games with the referees, I get it. It's a negotiation. But, Victor, eventually this is going to get people up in arms no, and the league, I'll, players and coaches. I'll take it one further, and, and I've always kind of said this. If, and it, theoretically, there should be enough uh, or good enough referees in, across the entire United States to be able to have a good force of referees at the professional level. Uh, granted, we have obviously not just MLS, but, you know, the USL, uh, the National Women's Soccer League, you know, but even if it takes you important referees, right, uh, bring over some of the best. Uh, I think, you know, that should be explored if, if need be. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, I, you know, and, and I'm not going to pretend to be as educated in, in, in what the, the fight is otherwise, other than just, you know, general review of, of the referees want more money and, and MLS certainly doesn't think that they're worth what they're asking for otherwise we'd have an agreement by now um but i agree i mean they got to get it together and and to me it's not a good look for mls to to be in this situation i know the nfl was sort of in this uh, you know, a few years back and and they took it as long as they could into the season until you know, they had an embarrassing moment and i don't know if that's what mls is waiting for to happen here an embarrassing call an amateurish call to you know be forced coerced right by sure. media pressure or by social media pressure into making a decision um 
And, and, and by the way, Victor... Hopefully it gets resolved soon. Well, and by the way, I, I asked uh, Coach Ben Olsen in, in the post-game interview exactly about the referees. He told me a couple of things, told us. I wasn't the only one there, but, but I asked a question. He said, look, number one, um, they called a good game. He was not critical of the match officials for the match versus uh, Sporting Kansas City. Number two, he says, look, we go out and play. And, and, and he, was, he says the league has been good in informing us of what's going on. He was very positive about who they have to deal with, meaning teams, as referees. And he also acknowledged the importance of the referees for the game, which to me was huge. How many more times, uh, how many times in the past, I should say, Victor, have we heard from coaches, from technical directors, from profes, that the evil person, the reason they lost the game was because of the referees. That may or may not be true, but it's usually the easy no, way out to the criticize. Last year, Olsen, Olsen's been one of the biggest voices uh, in that sense. And, I mean, we could we could pull the footage together of all the complaints we had last year. And then, which was why the ironic thing to me that, uh, you know, you, you sort of praise referees on this occasion. He, he, was, he, um, he was very reasonable. Right. And, and my point, Victor, is you really have no choice because complaining about right. substitute referees and berating them, what, what kind of look is that? Yeah, what well? else are you going to get? <laughs> exactly. What, what, else, what is the option? You're done to nobody at that point. What is the option? Look, we live it at the youth level, Victor. I go back to this. We have professional coaches that are being paid and compensated, and you basically right. have amateur referees that are making minimum right. wage how can you expect the game to develop and grow if you don't take care of that piece of it? So I, I thought it, I thought it was crazy one time. You told me we were at a game doing doing coverage, and um, you explained to me the system of, of two referees. Where the and I I thought it was crazy. I mean, when Victor, you can pay three refs, Victor. Well, because there aren't enough. Number one, because nobody wants the headache, Victor. I've had to run a varsity boys game. By myself. No, but you see all these clubs and you see all the sponsorship on the side and you can't pay refs. What is a hundred bucks a game? The culture, Victor, says that referees are evil, that referees are bad, that moms and dads and coaches and players should yell at the referee from the moment you step on the field. That has to change. So when you have that, that mindset, Victor, every year, and I'll, and I'll stop with this because there's a whole story we need to do on this. Every year, Victor... I see a 16, 17-year-old young man and young woman, young person, who is crying and shaking at the end of a game because they just got berated by someone, be it a, be, be it a, be it a coach, be it, be it a, a fan, be it a player. They go to their car crying, and they never come back. This happens over and over and over again. So just a lesson. We have to change. There is no choice about this. The referees are not the problem. It's our soccer culture that's allowed it to get to this point. So a lot to talk about there, uh, and maybe we went off beyond. But, but Victor, I think it's, it's time to, to start facing the reality because there's just not enough referees, period, and less of it uh, qualified. I'll let you have the last word on refs. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, there's got to be less abuse for referees. And, uh, again, hopefully the situation gets resolved because it's – you know, like you mentioned, it's, it, they're an important element of the game. Just like, you know, just like we needed fans in the stands, and, and we felt, you know, their absence during during COVID. Uh, just like we need coaches, just like we need players, we need referees. 
Absolutely, we do. So let's shift gears, Victor, and why don't we talk a little bit about the Houston Dash. Uh, Fred Alonso continuing to train his team at Houston Sports Park uh, after joining. Um, but the team still with a lot of absences because, in part, the CONCACAF uh, Gold Cup. That's right. And some of these uh, friendlies, you know, behind closed doors. So there's not, you know, I, I know they face the University of Texas uh, over the weekend. But uh, the NWSL season, I mean, not too far from us, right? Here, uh, coming in coming in close and we'll start to see uh, some of the first images and some of the first impressions from this team. And, and how do you see that, Victor? I did see uh, there were some fans at the uh, Dash versus uh, um, UT Longhorn matchup at at, uh, at Houston Sports Park. Yeah, I, I think, I, I, but I like they're like that. season ticket holders. They, yeah. I mean, I, I think that was an exclusive invitation. Otherwise, it was closed. But, uh, but no, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think the more the merrier. There should be fans. At some of these trainings, I, you know, I go back to the the beginning of uh, of the Dynamo days. I mean, the Carl Lewis Complex. That trainings were open. Uh, any fan could come right in, uh, see see some training. Uh, what's wrong with that? Uh, a couple of years back, we asked the Marcus Beasley. He said, you know, in 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 Holland, he, you know, that that was the policy there. You know, they he as a player welcomed it. I mean, I wish there was again more of that interaction. That interaction, and I think, again, back to my unsolicited advice for the organization, Victor, this is a chain. We've talked about uh, Barbara Olivieri and her story, right, uh, coming out of the Kitty area, playing uh, at Tompkins High School, going to Texas A&M, and now playing for the Dash. There is already there a story about a local player making it to the professional team. You need to tell that story. You need to have other young yeah. players today— look up to and say, I can do that too, and this is the pathway. Uh, that Again, that term that so many people try to pitch and so many people think they know how to get through the pathway. But, but telling so, those stories is important. Uh, talking about those things is important. Uh, and again, Victor, it's this balance. Uh, we're going to talk about that throughout our coverage. It's, it's the product on the field, but you also have to entertain people and get them to that stadium. Agreed. Uh, we're agreeing. Wait, uh, wait. We're agreeing too much today, so something must be wrong. No, I mean, again, I go back to to Fran Alonso's comments when he was uh, introduced as the head coach. Um, I mean, and I told you on that day, I think the bar we've been conditioned to to have the bar really low, where if there's two thousand, five thousand people in that stadium, it looks like a good day, yeah. and it mean, we should be aiming higher. We shouldn't be aiming for for the sky here. We should be aiming for a full stadium. Uh, why not? Um, and, and again, hopefully they can get this together. Hopefully the entertainment value is there. It sounds like Alonso wants to play that type of style, um, which is a plus, a big plus. And, and again, uh, Maria Sanchez is going to be one of the players that has to step it up um, in part because of her contract. And, and if we're going to cover this like pro sports, I mean, there, the expectation should be there. Um, but also because it's one of more, the more important players on the team. Uh, Diana Ordonez, who you know got to score here in the in the Gold Cup games, but again, the club, however you might want to see it, uh, sort of went all in on her as a forward. I mean, even if it was under a different coach and Sam Lady, uh, because they had Ebony Salmon, who had just come off a great season the year before, and then made a transition to to Ordonez, um, maybe a gamble, but now she's a star forward, and now you got to go all in on her. 
Victor, you're talking about uh, two players for the Dash, Ordonez and Sanchez. And, and by the way, um, women's soccer is what we're going to focus on now relative to national teams. You've been present. Uh, I've yet to go. I'm trying to make the, the last session, if you will, at the Shell when it comes to the teams, Group C, that's playing in this competition, including El Salvador, who got a lot of support uh, in both of the matches they've played so far, even though um, they didn't do so well against Canada. Let's put it that way. No, it's uh, they had an easier group um, in the qualification, and and you know if you just base it on that and all the goals they've scored and how they went unbeaten, um, this is a different El Salvador team now that's getting a reality check, right? Uh, against Canada, and and obviously in uh, against Costa Rica, Costa Rica here yeah. that 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 drew the um, a little bit more attendance in that Thursday game, obviously because it was it was the weekend, it was on a Sunday. There's a Central American rivalry factor in there. Um, and now it's a, it's a very tough um, uh, view uh, for them, I think, to try to make the next round. But overall, just kind of what it needed to be is uh, a learning uh, experience and, and how they can propel their, their national team. Um, the El Salvador fans, and again, if this doesn't tell you about the market that you have here in Houston, uh, they salvaged this group because I think without them, these would have been very empty, a very empty show energy stadium. Um, instead, we saw the majority of the crowd there for, for the first two games, and I'm sure the third game will be the same. Um, I'm a little disappointed they weren't as rowdy as they've been with the men's uh, team, <laughs> and maybe that's because the crowd's more more you know all around the stadium, and and some of these things like some of the chants maybe don't don't pick up as they would uh, aren't as contagious, right? Uh, but you know, overall, I think. Um, you got to compliment them, and, and who knows? I mean, should we start asking about why the Dash don't have a Salvadoran player? It, 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 the responses, I'm sure, we'll get, and it goes back to Dominic Kinnear. I remember his response about Latino players. He said, you know what? I don't look at the nationality or the color. I just want my best 11 on the field. That's the standard response. But the marketing and balance response is, hey, Hector Herrera makes sense in Houston, doesn't he? Because of all the the Mexican or Mexican ancestry that exists in our city? Of course it does. Why wouldn't you try maybe to, to get a right. Salvadoran player here that would have that support uh, like Maria Sanchez does and, of course, uh, Ordonez well, as well? And in the women's game, a lot of them are locally based anyways. I mean, it's, it's not uh, – it's, it's very different, right? There's a lot of naturalized players. Uh, but we've seen it here in the area. There's a few players with, with Houston ties and certainly around Texas that – uh, would be local stories, just like you mentioned Olivieri for the Dash. I mean, there'd be a lot of local stories there, too. Yeah. And, v Victor, uh, uh, um, what is uh, my take overall is that this is a wonderful opportunity for the women's game to have these national teams who are still underfunded, who often are still um, they're there because they have to be versus wanting to be there, although things are changing in many Latin American countries. But to play in the stadium, to play in the setting— it's only improving. Uh, we can pick apart all the negativity, but overall, this is a wonderful opportunity for all of these players. Absolutely. Step forward for the women's game. Um, I go back to why, did, why didn't it happen before? And, you know, again, hopefully what this does is raise the level in the region. I mean, for a long time, it's just the U.S. and Canada that we speak of. Um, hopefully there is more funding. Hopefully there is more opportunity, uh, even if it's naturalized players. Uh you know, for some of these countries to get better at the sport. Um, and I always welcome any and all debate because I think, you know, again, if this was covered like the men's game, um, 
you know, I'm not asking for, for you know, reporters to ask coaches, you know, if they're going to resign or anything. Um, but I do think, you know, there could be a conversation of, you know, should be marketed more? Why aren't more fans uh, coming out? Um, you know, it's fine to mention, you know, is it making enough money um, to warrant the marketing? Um, you know, I think there's a debate to be had whether, you know, why isn't this in the summer, right? Uh, we see the Women's World Cup in the summer. We've seen some, you know, the Women's Euro in the summer. You know, should this have been a, a tournament that had that importance over the summer? Um, but again, overall, at least at least we're sort of having these conversations, and that's because this tournament was put on. A couple of quick ones, sir. Beyond the crowd, which continues to grow, and hopefully by the third session, we'll have more people there. Um, how are you seeing the product on the field? How are you seeing the level of competitiveness? We're showing highlights right now of Canada versus Paraguay. The Canadian team, the strongest right now in the Group C. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, with the U.S., uh, the, the standard in the region, and, and it was expected that they would uh, dominate this group <laughs> in, the, in the way that they have. Um, again, should we be asking the question of why isn't Canada headlining these? Uh, and obviously, we know because there's a bigger Salvadoran public expected. But you know, yeah. why isn't the the better, the more talented team in, in the main card? Right? Um, you know, I think obviously Canada has that talent. Uh, you know, the other teams are still, you know, a few talented players here or there. Um, right? Uh, uh, Brenda Seren, we've mentioned uh, for El Salvador. Um, you, you know, Costa Rica, I think Chinchilla had the, the double the other night. So, um, you know, there, there are some good moments here. But but overall, um, you know, we still have to see it evolve a little bit. Uh, but we are seeing some, some good opportunities. And, um, you know, maybe we, we the entertainment value, right, I think is, is maybe the one thing they got to work on a little bit more. But... Again, it's nice. It, it's fine to criticize, and it's fine to have an opinion of this. It, it'd be worse off if there wasn't. Right. Victor, you mentioned the Salvadorian uh, support uh, for the matches with El Salvador, but also you mentioned uh, via text when you were there that there were some youth clubs out there. And, and it, that's a natural connection if the opportunity exists, does it not, to bring out the younger players who can look up to these national team players and say, look, if they can do it, if she's in there— uh, why can't I one day? That, that, that to me is a natural connection, isn't it? It is. Uh, I think it was the uh, Alvin Hurricanes who had the team out there. I, I, I mean, I only saw the crest from afar, and, and, and I, that's as much as I could recognize. But and if I'm getting the name wrong, of you know, feel free to correct this. Um, you can you, and, and you, you, you can get that club's name wrong. I have no problem with that. No, no, yeah, it was it and, was it was Albion Hurricanes. Yeah, and well, I'm, I'm just saying because I, I know these things change from from sometimes from year to year, and I'm not certainly endorsing any club because I no, no you, connection. You, you better them. you better not be. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Look, uh, I'm glad they're out but, there, Victor. I right, think this is a good I, experience. I commend, them, I commend them for bringing out a group. I I I've seen this at dash games too. I I don't know how much of this is. Um, you know, I would imagine in this case, it, it certainly seemed like they got their own tickets. Uh, I, maybe at dash games, they they get some help from the organization, which is which is fine as well. The point is uh, to have these uh, these moments, and, and I'll give uh, you know credit to, to our good friend Glenn Davis because he's one of the ones that have always kind of preached this. Uh, um, you know, this in itself is also a lesson, a teaching moment. If you're a coach, uh, to bring out your players, uh, you know, maybe it's just as valuable as practice, right? Uh, you mentioned right now, you know, what it means to have role models. Um, 
a lot of these players will go there and, and you know, maybe they come away with a different player or somebody to look up to. Uh, maybe somebody, like, hey, it's this player for, for Costa Rica or this player for uh, Canada. This is my new favorite player and I'm going to follow them in whatever club they're playing at because, uh, you know, I like their playing style or, or you know, um, you know, just the way they carry themselves, and, and that's how the love for the game starts. Um, again, the more the merrier. I hope we, I hope we see more of this, and, and especially, you know, even locally. I, I've always said it. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna poo-poo on the organization, right? Hey, if that if that helps you get closer to 22,000 fans at Dash Games, do it. Get more people in there. Invite clubs. Uh, um, as much as I would like to see them take the game out in the community sure. as well. Like I said, go to schools, go to trainings, go to clubs. Um, but that's certainly a part of it. Uh, you know, make it easier to, to, to watch the product. More opportunities like this uh, women's, uh, the CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup in Houston, I think, is more opportunity for the game to grow. Uh, before we wrap up on this, the group stage will be f f uh, finishing up this week, Victor. Group C is the one that's playing here, Shell Energy Stadium. Uh, I believe Canada should be one of the teams and maybe, what, uh, Costa Rica potentially? coming through yeah canada's through to the next round and you know barring a disaster they're probably gonna uh have the best numbers overall so they'll probably get the weakest team in 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 the quarterfinals i uh you know, the next round of the knockout stage and that's all gonna you know happen over in california uh but yeah costa rica should probably have a uh should probably advance the way they're set up i mean even if they advance as a as the one of the two best place, uh, third place teams, because right. uh, um, it's not just the, the top two, but it's also of, of the three third place teams, the best to uh, go through. Who do you uh, see? Paraguay certainly has an opportunity yeah. as well, so that that's another one. And and El Salvador uh, needs a couple prayers there. Uh, well, they're going to have to win, and and yeah. depending on some of these other results uh, before, uh, you know, certainly they're they're going to have to score a lot of goals to even have a chance. But yeah, they good. they need some results to go their way. Good luck with that one. Group B, who do you see coming out? Brazil looks like they're through already. Brazil's into the next round, and, and obviously the, the games are, you know, tomorrow from where we're recording, but it looks like Colombia's going through as well, um, which is a different flavor to this, you know, the it's not just Conca, Conca Cup Nation. In, in this case, yeah. In this case, four, obviously. Four of the, going four to the South yeah. American team, and uh, so that'll add something to it, but obviously... Uh, I would think the U.S. and certainly Canada are among the favorites to win. And USA and Mexico coming out of Group A more than likely, although they do have to face each other in the third game. Uh, as we record, actually, they're playing this evening, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But again, a positive, to me, a positive in seeing the uh, CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup in our city of Houston and certainly in the United States. Victor, um, let's shift gears, if you don't mind, from, from the international game back back to local and and to talk about uh to us uh to me uh, a gentleman that has been a role model for many years in the soccer world and that's glenn davis uh first of all talk to us about glenn davis from your perspective before we get into maybe where he currently is relative to the mls uh called the games for the houston dynamo on um, i believe this is a virtual uh, feed is what they're calling it it's essentially streaming only but the only way you listen to it is as a local feed on on apple tv which uh, I've seen some fans, uh, you know, over the years ask for more radio coverage. I, I don't understand, um, you know, and I understand certainly maybe not every team has the same demand. Let's, let's put it that way from, from local radio um, because across the league, you see some teams that have it, some teams that don't, some teams that have English and Spanish, some teams that only have English. Um, but 
you know, English broadcast on Apple TV, and of course we we have the Spanish broadcast on on Tuden Radio with with Cesar Procel and, and Daniel Mejia. Um, but you know, I think uh, overall one of the better play-by-play guys, and, and I don't just say it's because I got a chance to work with him. I you know even before I got a chance to work with him, uh, you know, just to me one of the better voices around the league, and 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 a guy with deep ties to the community. I. I don't understand. It still baffles me why the Houston Dynamo don't utilize them more in the community. But maybe that's that's better for him and then the community to not, well, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. make more of a mess than things are. Well, look, Glenn has been around the sport of soccer again since since I met him as a player back in the '80s. So we we knew of each other. We played against each other uh, back in those days. And I know that he's been dedicated to the sport. He's been dedicated to the sport when it comes to the broadcast side. He's been a coach. He's really, to me, the epitome of Houston soccer. So I am personally uh, grateful to him for what he's done for the sport. Where I now find myself, though, Victor, and I go back to this phrase that I've been using, in a generational transition, everything has its beginning and its end. And I'm seeing now... First of all, look at where we are with media in general, Victor. The, the traditional radio, terrestrial radio, as I call it, is, to me is disappearing. Now it's streaming. Now it's other ways for the certainly younger generation through, through the smartphones that I'm holding up here, right, to get their entertainment, to get what it is that they're looking for. So the traditional ways are disappearing, and we have to find new ways to present this. What's put a wrinkle in all of this, of course, we used to be, I, I was one of the broadcasters on the TV side, on the Spanish language side. That disappeared because of Apple. Nothing against that. To me, that's progress in many ways. Does it hurt me personally that our team couldn't continue? Sure, because I think we did a pretty good job. Uh, but that said, to me, Glenn is, is the epitome of, you know what? You've got a gem here, someone that knows the sport that knows how to call a good game, that's doing it, in my opinion, for the right reasons. But I also see, Victor, that there's a new generation that's coming in. And I'm not saying this uh, to be hurtful, that maybe is looking for something different or maybe has no idea who Mr. Glenn Davis is, what he's meant for the, for the city as far as, he, uh, uh, as the sport, and where does that go? So back to the word of how do you create that balance I think the balance that the organization sought in this case, as I understand it, there's no radio anymore locally. Mr. Glenn Davis now is calling the games, I believe, by himself to be part of the audio, as you mentioned, for the Apple TV broadcast. To me, that's changing the model of what existed in the past. Is it enough? Is it too little? Is Is it the beginning of the end for English local calls as we know it? What will happen to Spanish? Uh, I don't pretend to have the answers, Victor, but I am seeing, again, a change in the way things were to where they're eventually going. Does that make sense? I think the change here is the approach of the organization. Um, Because you're right, things evolve and things change. But whatever you may think of local radio, uh, and I'm not just speaking to you, I'm speaking to... um, to our listeners, our, our viewers on, all, on YouTube. All, right. th- all three of them. Your mom, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all three of them. Um, 
whatever you may think of local radio, it's still a big sector of the market. There's still a big piece of the pie there to be collected. Uh, to not even be present, I think it's is a mistake. Okay, but wait, I'm going I'm to interrupt you, and I hate to be rude, Victor. But if yeah. you have a limited or a finite budget, which is the reality, okay, that's the truth. Where do you put those eggs? Do you put it in something, to me, and again, I'm not justifying this. I'm, I'm giving you the argument. Something, yeah, that's my... something that's disappearing or something that's here now and it's going to be the future. And I'm not that smart person to tell you what that is. Where I would disagree with you, sir, is that I think terrestrial radio is disappearing. And, and we may not want to know that. My children don't listen to radio, uh, Victor. That's the next generation. They don't watch local news. They do streaming and smartphone stuff. You see this now, Victor. The local stations are getting on Hulu oh, I... and, other, and other carriers because their traditional model is disappearing. That's where I'm going with. The traditional model well, is changing. If, if, again, and I do agree with you, there's a big audience there. Um, I would say it's an equal mistake to not have it even stream on your website, a simultaneous stream. Or if you want to promote your, your app, there you go. why do you not have the stream on there? There you go. Um, but, but just to kind of go back to, you know, because I'm still a believer in radio, um, how many cars, Alex, are in the city of Houston in the surrounding area? And how many of them have radios? And, I mean, even if you have a fraction of those, of, of those listeners, uh, again, I think it's a missed opportunity. Um, just like I always thought with, with Spanish TV. Um, you know, it was on and off and on and off and on and off. And, and, and you know, the Lexitos, you got to do some of those. Okay, but, okay, um, so I'm, so I'm going to share. I'm going to share. And this is why we have this. Yeah. Let me give you my experience, Victor. The reality of the past when it comes to Dynamo Spanish television is the following, that the organization wanted to do it for free or very little, and there were plenty of takers who would show up and say, listen, just give me a media pass and I'll put this production together. That's number one. Number two, so the, the market has diluted itself and its quality. Number two, uh, uh, Victor, there's no oversight. There was no oversight about, well, what are they saying? Literally, no Spanish speakers with the organization That's the saying... That's it is on the uh, Apple TV Spanish broadcast. Saying, say, saying, what are they doing? It Okay, I guess they scream gold. That must be good, right? Question mark. Right. I'm, and I'm talking about my experience in the past. So based on that, and, and also knowing, you know what? The, the, the business side, you can sell it, but you can't do this, this, and this. So it's kind of a side project. That's the way it's been treated in the past, Victor. That's the, the I truth. I would say it's the same thing with radio. The truth is I know it. Right. Now, I will give you one more argument, and I promise I'll let you have the... Uh, well, one more point, and I promise I'll let you have the microphone. Where's ESPN, that uh, local radio? Where are they stepping up and saying, this is valuable to our listeners? I don't see ESPN saying, yes, I want this. It's gone. No, it's, gone. It's, it's, other, it's gone from their own Or any other station so, stepping up and saying, you know what? This is a valuable product that we believe in. That isn't happening for English radio of Dynamo Games. I, I, am I right? Right. And, and again, look, it's, we can go on and on. It's a deeper conversation. Uh, there was a time when ESPN was interested, right? And maybe they were in, in better times. You know, from what I hear, maybe they're not doing as great uh, financially these days. But the, the, the station, I mean. But uh, there was a time when they were all in. And, you know, I remember the Dynamo picked up their ball and went over to 610. And then it wasn't on the radio; it was on streaming, right? Or it was on a, um, 
on a secondary station. So, I mean, these are all things that play into it. I think the, the growth of, uh, again, building, uh, when I say it, building the community, building the media ties, right? Uh, building these relationships to where you are present in different mediums. Um, again, I, I, when I talk about the marketing, it's not just on social media. This isn't, believe it or not, Alex, there's people that don't live on just this. There's people that drive around the city that see the billboards, that people that go to restaurants here in Houston. That, I mean, it, it isn't all limited to one thing. And I, I think the same thing here with, with media, uh, to just go one way uh, is a mistake, especially when you're a team that isn't filling up the stadium and, and isn't um, creating that impact that, that you supposedly want to make in the community. Victor, I'm convinced that the more outlets that televise that broadcast games can only be good for the sport. In particular, the Dynamo Dash organization, to me, they need more media coverage, uh, English, Spanish, whatever other language, uh, and also the games. They should be broadcast more so that people have access to them. That's, I think, one of the negatives of the Apple deal. That exclusivity means, okay, you're going to have a finite number of people that watch you. And you're, are you happy with that? That must be a decision you've made. So to me, reaching, whether it's on a dial on your TV, uh, sorry, on your, on your car radio, whether it's on the smartphone, whether it's on cable, whether it's on over the air, to me, you should have it everywhere, in my opinion. More people means more ears, more eyeballs, and it can only increase and improve the quality and following of your product. So, um, I, 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 look, I, I personally, Victor, I, I'm not happy with the way things are going, transitioning, but I also understand change has to come. And, and, and maybe that's where the organization and the MLS in general are, finding new markets, finding new ways to present this. I will tell you, though, something. Um, there's many people, um, you know this, Victor, the majority of people in this, in this city are Hispanic, not all of us speak uh, uh, both languages, but many of us have that attachment. That's something to tap into, something that every business to me needs to tap into, whether it's in English or Spanish. That's who we are. That's what we live. We are a Houston city. Tap into that. I'm not going to be critical and say, forget other stuff, but tap into that. And I think you've got a business model for years to come. I'll be quiet, Victor. I'll give you the last word. No, all in with this, part of it is a, a, a circle, right, or a cycle that they create on their own. When you don't have an entertaining product or when you don't fill up the stadium, um, maybe the dollars aren't there from a, from a radio station or from a media partner. Um, you know, I'll, I'll compare it. St. Louis was coming into town. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, they're an expansion team. They just started. There's a lot of excitement. Uh, but they got radio deals in Spanish and English, and I think a big part of that is that buzz, right? Uh, Atlanta. Uh, all the attendance they've had, and they get the coverage locally from from mainstream radio. Um, so it, it, you know, we go back to that give and take of if, you, if they don't invest in the product, um, all these other things suffer because of it. It, it is a, a, a cycle in that sense. Um, and I'll say this too. I mean, because I know there's a lot of cost cutting, right? And you know, certainly in this in this case, right? Uh, first, we saw it, you know, or whatever happened there with Eddie Robinson, shipped to Bobby Boswell. Now we're just down to Glenn doing the, the broadcast in English on his own. Um, you know, having the announcers, having an announcing team uh, gives credibility also to your product. There's a reason, right, why the NFL 
uh, broadcast, why ESPN pays all this money to you know to get Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, whatever you may think of that team, or, or why you know they're always looking for the next best analyst because it it is uh, something that goes hand in hand. Um, they could go cost cutting and say, hey, we'll just we'll just pick up uh, somebody starting out and 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 you know play by play man starting out and um, you know cost yeah. cut and get somebody that's cheaper. But is that going to create the connection with the listener? Is that going to have a credibility in the community? These are all things that have to be considered. Um, and, you know, again, maybe their decisions speak for themselves. Victor, we go back to, to the, the topic here relative to the broadcast with, about, about Glenn Davis. And he does have a connection. He does have credibility. He has a history. I think that's something you should nurture and tap into along with whatever may be next. That, to me, is the balance. And to be fair, this doesn't just, it isn't just limited to radio. This goes to every aspect of Agreed. the organization. Agreed. Who are your faces in the community? Agreed. Right? Uh, who is your host during games? Who is your stadium voice? Uh, all these things, uh, you know, so. Well, it'll be an ongoing conversation. And we certainly want to hear from all of you friends that are following us here on the Portas Nation on this The Soccer podcast. We want your opinion. We want your perspective. Uh, we don't pretend to know it all. Well, Victor pretends to know it all. I don't. Uh, I, I just sound like I what think. What else are we going to do? I know it all. Exactly. No, we, we, we're always learning. And, and that's the beauty of having this interaction, number one, with you, Victor, but also with all of you, ladies, gentlemen, and friends that follow us. So as we wrap up, what are you looking forward to quickly, Victor, for this week? Uh, more MLS action and, uh, and more uh, Gold Cup, women's Gold Cup action. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, more games coming our way, and we'll see what this weekend brings. What this weekend brings. So on behalf of Victor and I, I'm Alex Spada. Thanks to all of you that follow us, that put up with us, that tolerate us here on this. <laughs> that lasted this long. <laughs> that's last, exactly. We really appreciate that. Uh, on this, the latest version of the Deportes Nation, the soccer podcast. Until next time.